and welcome to The Budget Mouse, a podcast about how to plan a magical Disney vacation on a shoestring budget. This week, I'll answer a bunch of reader questions, as well as share my top five favorite quick service restaurants in the parks. Welcome again to episode three of The Budget Mouse. I'm Leah, the blogger behind The Budget Mouse and The Frugal South. I visit Disney World several times each year and I'm not rich. I just have tons of tricks for doing Disney on the cheap. I want you to have the incredible vacation you deserve. So I'm sharing all of my tricks with you on my site and here in the podcast. I'm going to answer as many reader questions as possible this week. So let's dive right in. Pretty much every day I get asked questions by readers on my blog through the comment forms or through my Facebook page or now in my Facebook group. And I love being able to answer reader questions. Um, I started the Budget Mouse few months ago and I asked my readers for my first blog to tell me what they wanted to see on the Disney only site and you responded with 170 questions about how to plan a great Disney vacation on a budget and wow were they wonderful questions so I wanted to take some time to answer as many of them as I can today before I go over on time so I'm just going to dive right in here Katie writes, I have never gone during a time when free dining was offered. For our family to afford Disney, we need this promotion and got it. Now certain sites have me worried saying crowds are crazy crowded during free dining. Is this true? Any insight is helpful. Thank you. Well, Katie, I'd say that that is not true, um, but I will tell you what is true. So first, let's say when free dining is. This is August 20th through September 29th, November 24th through November 27th, and December 7th through December 23rd. Now, Disney offers free dining during that time to fill rooms during low times of year. So generally, attendance is going to be lower than average that time of year, except when you get into December closer you get to Christmas, then the more, um, obviously more people are going to be there. Um, now what is more difficult during these times of year when free dining is offered is getting dining reservations. So that is true. (laughs) Um, for dates in November and December, uh, the window has not opened yet. It's 180 days before you check in. So I would say to have a plan in place and be ready to book at 6 a.m. Eastern Standard Time online the day that your window opens. Um, You can use the date calculator at timeanddate.com to find the day that your booking window opens. And I know that's crazy to have to book your dining reservation six months in advance, but that is true of free dining that the dining reservations become very difficult to get. So I wouldn't worry too much about crowds. Um, I don't think they increase because of free dining, but get your dining reservations quickly. Okay, Nicole writes, Hi Leah, love these tips on using magic bands. I think when we last went in 2013, they were in the experiment phase because we didn't have them for our trip. I can't wait to use them when we go back in 2019, so I'm trying to learn as much as I can before then. I was wondering though, if we receive or buy magic bands for our 2019 trip, can we use them on subsequent trips or must we receive new bands each time? Since we're trying to do an extended family vacation, read lots of people equals lots of money, this may be another selling point as to why staying on property would be more cost effective than staying in a house or cheaper hotel. Any help is appreciated. Again, thanks so much for the tips. So Nicole, I have some thoughts. 
first of all, you can use Magic Bands on subsequent trips. They're just a link to your My Disney Experience account. So when you're staying off property, you can purchase a Magic Band and use it to connect to your park tickets, your Fast Passes, your Photo Pass account, anything that's linked to your My Disney Experience account. They cost $12.99 each for the basic bands when you buy them on Disney Shop, Shop Disney. And, you know, I think they're great. <laughs> I think they make everything so much easier in the parks. I think it's worth it to buy them, even if you're staying up property. Um, I do have a tip, though. If you're going with a large group and you do decide to stay off property, you can make a one-night reservation in a campsite at Fort Wilderness that you actually never intend to use and you're going to receive free magic bands for every member of your party which can be up to 10 people in one campsite so campsites start at 55 dollars a night so if you have a group of four or more people you're definitely going to save money going that route plus you'll even get access to free um, to extra magic hours and on the two days that you're staying at the campsite which is another great perk Vanessa writes, I'm going with my fiance and our three kids in June. We plan on sleeping five people in a standard Disney room that says sleeps for adults since our littlest will only be four. Will we be able to get five bands and link them all to my room or do we have to get the family suite and spend hundreds more just to add a band? So this is a great question, Vanessa. Disney won't allow you to add a fifth person to a room that only sleeps four unless it's a child under three who will sleep in a pack and play and doesn't need a park ticket anyway. So unless you go with a room that sleeps five, your youngest won't be able to be on the reservation. Now there are plenty of rooms at Disney World that actually do sleep five officially and that aren't a suite. I actually just did a post on the Budget Mouse about this called Budget Friendly Rooms That Sleep Five at Disney World. So check it out on the blog if you want all of the details. Um, I will mention them quickly here. You can stay in a room at a moderate resort that sleeps five. These are found at Caribbean Beach and Port Orleans Riverside. They're the alligator bayou rooms. They have a Murphy bed, a single Murphy bed that folds down to sleep five. And you can officially have five on the reservation there. And you won't pay anything extra as long as there aren't more than two adults in the room. Alternatively, you can rent DVC points to stay in a studio villa that sleeps five. These are found at the Boardwalk, Beach Club, Boulder Ridge Villas at Wilderness Lodge, the Polynesian, and the villas at the Grand Floridian. These also have that Murphy bed that folds down. Um, I've actually laid on one to see how comfortable they were. Um, my feet kind of hung off the ends, but I'm tall. I'm almost 5'10". So I would say for any, you know, fine for a kid, even a young teenager, and it was quite comfortable. Um, and in terms of renting DVC points, I strongly recommend using a broker. You can find links to David's Vacation Rentals on my site. Um, they will handle all aspects of renting the points for you. Highly recommended. Um, another option to think about is to book connecting rooms at a value resort. Um, that is less, it's going to be less than renting DVC points, but probably more than a room at a moderate resort. Um, but it is wonderful. We have done that before on a trip with grandpa and uh, was a great option. And then, as you mentioned, you can upgrade to a family suite or a wilderness cabin. The most affordable family suite is at All Star Music. It sleeps six, but only two adults are recommended for that because the other beds are fold out couches, which are not comfortable for adults. And those start around 250 a night with a room only discount. 
So another option for you though, Vanessa, is you could leave your four-year-old off the reservation officially. Um, if you're flying, then you would not be able to use the Magical Express because everyone does scan their magic band as they get on. And if you're using a dining plan, she would not be on it. Um, if you wanted her to have a band, you could buy one from Disney and link her park ticket to it, but she would not be able to use, you wouldn't be able to use Magical Express altogether. And it would probably be fine if she wasn't on the dining plan. You could pay for her meal out of pocket, but that's another option. So Kevin writes, hello, Leah. Good luck with the new site. Thank you, Kevin. I'd like to see Disney dining plan maximization strategies, perhaps not a full article, but grading the relative value Disney dining plan versus cash of any meal is an important component to any dining review. And I agree, Kevin. <laughs> this is a great thing to think about when you're comparing the Disney dining plan to what you're going to pay out of pocket. So I just have a quick and dirty way to know if a meal is a good value on the dining plan. This is the estimate that I use. If a quick service location is going to be over $20 for your entree plus your drink, that is a good value on the dining plan. If a table service meal is going to be over $40 with your meal dessert and drink, and that's what's included with the plan, then that is a good value. And for a snack credit, anything over $5, I consider a pretty good value. So when I'm, you know, scoping out places to eat on the dining plan, that's what I'm looking for is a, how, what kind of return am I going to get for my credits? And I try to stick with places that will give me good bang for my buck, unless it's somewhere that I just really want to eat. And then I say, go for it, because overall, you're going to get your money's worth out of the dining plan if you're following that rule in general. So I had a bunch of readers ask me a similar question. So Nancy, Mary Ann, Lynn Marie, and Tammy all would love to see tips and suggestions for vacations for adults 50 and over with or without kids. So I've decided I'm going to do a special show just on this topic. Um, we, my husband and I went a lot before we have kids, so we at least have the experience of going without kids, which is really fun I have to say isn't that bad that I say that but it's so much fun to go without kids <laughs> so quick I will answer the question before we'll go into more depth in, the, in a show but take advantage of some things that kids generally aren't into for exa example signature dining I like to get a bunch of appetizers you can eat at the bar or you could splurge on a chef's table that's a fun dining experience that kids generally aren't into um, I enjoy the shows at the theme parks, especially at Animal Kingdom and Hollywood Studios. I have done tours such as behind the seeds tour, and I have a review coming soon to the blog. Um, but tours are a fun thing you can do without kids. Um, and my favorite thing to do, especially when I'm not focused on riding rides, is to just uh, grab a snack and enjoy the atmosphere and details of the park sit on a bench, people watch, listen to the music, look for details that I've maybe never seen before. That's virtually impossible to do when you are there with kids. So it's a great thing to do on a um, couples only trip or a solo trip, which I've done a lot too. Jean writes, Leah, I would like to see a guide for tipping while staying at one of the Disney resorts. I agree, Jean, this would be a helpful post for the blog, so I'm working on that. But for a quick answer, here is what we generally tip. One to two dollars per item for anyone that handles your bags. This can be on the Magical Express, if someone is putting your luggage or strollers under the bus or retrieving them, anyone that delivers bags to your room, or if you are transferring bags between resorts. Basically, anyone that handles your bags, generally one to two dollars per item. 
I tip $1 per person per day for mousekeeping, and I give extra if we make a big mess. It happens. Um, it's best to tip daily, but it's okay to do it all at the end of the trip. Just be sure it's labeled mousekeeping because they won't take any money that's just laying on top of a dresser. I have made that mistake before and forgotten to label it mousekeeping, and they won't take it. Um, you're going to tip at all table service restaurants, even buffets, whether you're on the dining plan or not. There are a few exceptions to this. The tip is included in the cost at Cinderella's Royal Table and all of the dinner shows. Hoop-dee-doo, Spirit of Aloha, and Mickey's Backyard Barbecue. Otherwise, 18 to 20% is the norm for tipping, and they'll show you that on the bill as a suggestion. Last place is if you get a haircut at the barbershop on Main Street in the Magic Kingdom, or if you visit Bibbidi-Bobbidi Boutique or the Pirates League, a 10 to 15% tip is considered normal. Michelle writes, Hi, we're planning our first trip to Disney. I'm 40 and have never been. I'd love to know the top three must-dos and top three don'ts at Disney. Thank you so much. Well, Michelle, I have just general guidelines. These aren't going to be specific attractions, what to do or not do, but these are the things that I think will make your vacation fantastic. First of all, don't. Three don'ts. Don't try to see and do everything. First of all, you can't. Disney's too big. I've been over 30 times over 30 years, and I have not even come close to seeing everything. You're going to run yourself ragged, and you're going to have a miserable time, so don't do that. Next, don't have unrealistic expectations about crowds and lines. I have people complain sometimes on my blog. They say, you said that it wasn't very crowded in um, early September, but we went and there were people everywhere. Now, I mean, it's Disney World. It's the, mo it's the number one vacation destination on the planet. It's always crowded. Crowds are just relative. So you have to understand that going in. There will always be crowds at the Magic Kingdom. Every day of the year, the Magic Kingdom will be crowded later in the day. It's just small. There's not enough space for people to go. Um, it's never going to be empty there. Other parks, though, you can have an experience of very low crowds on certain times of the year and certain days and certain hours there at the parks. But just be realistic. It's always going to be crowded. It's just how crowded is it going to be? Okay, my third don't is don't make zero plans and do no research and then expect to have fun. Now, I probably am preaching to the choir. If you're listening to this podcast, you're already doing research. Um, but I do have that as a complaint for people. They say, I went to Disney World. It was miserable. And I said, well, did you do, did you have a plan? You know, what was your, where'd you say? Oh, we just winged it. And I was like, well, that explains why you had no fun because Disney is not such a place where you can do that. I mean, lots of places you can go on vacation and do that. Disney's just not one of them. Okay, three do's. This would say, especially for your first trip, do stay on Disney property. It's just so much better than staying off property, especially for your first trip, and especially if you're uh, having kids. Um, I, I, that's a topic for a whole other show, is why, why you should stay on Disney property for your first trip, but please just do it. Next, do take a break in the middle of the day, on at least most days during your trip. It's so exhausting visiting the parks, and it's so nice to just relax for even two hours or even one hour in your resort um, in the middle of the day and kind of recharge and head back in the evening. The days that I have stayed straight at the parks from opening till closing have been some of my least favorite days at Disney World. So I really suggest taking a break in the middle of the day. And third, plan one or more days off to relax and enjoy your resort and even visit other Disney resorts or go to Disney Springs. 
there's just so much to do at every Disney resort. And I feel that it's lost on most people because they're trying to spend all day every day at the theme parks, but the resorts themselves are incredible. And I think you will enjoy the day off to get off your feet, relax, go to the pool, have a nice dinner, recharge, then head back to the parks the next day. Okay, Susan asks, what is the best way to see Disney characters and get their autographs? We took our grandsons to Disney World last May and were disappointed that we didn't see many or couldn't approach them. It's a great question, Susan. So the best way is to get fast passes for character meet and greets. It doesn't cost anything extra and we do that on every trip to guarantee we're going to see the characters we want to see. Or if your budget allows, a character meal is another way to see a lot of characters at once, but they're not at all necessary to do a character meal. If you plan you know one fast pass per day to see a bunch of characters at once you'll at least get to see those now for other characters that are um, moving about the park throughout the day get a times guide for the day when you get to the park you can get that all over the park you can just ask a cast member can i have a times guide and they'll find one for you on the times guide it lists all the character meets for the day and this does change daily note the ones that you really want and i suggest lining up at the location where it says the um character meet starts 20 minutes before this character is scheduled to appear be ready to accept that you might have to skip some of them if you show up and the line is already too long they're slow moving lines because the characters are amazing and they spend time talking to each kid but have alternatives ready to go especially during busy times of year if you take that tactic you're going to see a lot of characters Tom writes, we would love to see tips on how a family can dine reasonably at Walt Disney World. Thanks. Well, Tom, this is the perfect segue to my next segment. My favorite way to keep dining costs down is to eat at quick service restaurants at Disney World. They have, some of them, have amazing food, generous portions. You can even sometimes split, and some even have great theming that tells the story of a nearby attraction or the land that you're in. So on to my top five quick service restaurants in the parks. It's a guest, it's a guest, sakes alive and I'll be blessed. Wine's important, thank the Lord, I've had the napkins freshly pressed. Picking your top five of anything at Disney World is like picking your favorite child. It's so impossible, but... I did my best to narrow down my top five favorite quick service restaurants just in the theme parks. I'm not considering restaurants at any of the resorts. That's for a different list. So I'm going to go in reverse order. I'm going to start with number five. Satuli Canteen is a quick service restaurant at Animal Kingdom in Avatar Land of Pandora. It's relatively new. Pandora's only been open for about a year. Um, I think it's a great restaurant due to its theming and very unique food. Your food is going to look like it's from another planet because that is the story at Pandora. You can get bowls, which are around $12 each. They're going to have a base, which is rice or potato, plus veggies and your choice of meat. They're amazing. Plus, I recommend the desserts, particularly the blueberry cream cheese mousse. I mean, the food coloring is scary, but it's gorgeous, Instagram worthy. It's $5.29. And the theming at this restaurant is out of this world. It's excellent. Number four, at the Magic Kingdom in Frontierland, you will find Pecos Bill. It is not everyone's favorite, but I happen to love it. A few years ago, they switched from a mainly burger menu to a Southwest menu, and I love the new menu. Not everyone does, but I love it. My favorites are the nachos. 
and they come with ground beef. They're $12.49. And I suggest asking for its extra plate with these because of the toppings bar, which has unlimited guacamole, salsa, cheese, sour cream, veggies, etc. It's amazing. And you're going to make a big mess if you don't have an extra plate on which to put all your toppings. So ask for that extra plate. They also have um, nacho chips, just plain chips, tortilla chips, sorry, for $4.99 that you can then load up on toppings at the topping bar. A lot of people recommend that as a cheap lunch or vegetarian snack. You can get a vegetable rice bowl for $9.99 that has roasted veggies, black beans, and rice. I've had that recently. It was excellent. And then new on the menu is the taco trio. You can choose from three seasoned ground beef, seasoned chicken, spicy beef, or spicy breaded cauliflower with five spice yogurt and pineapple salsa. That's $10.99. And apparently you can now get a burger too. I didn't know that. If anyone goes on a trip coming up, please let me know. Are burgers back on the menu at Pecos Bill? Number three, Sunshine Seasons is in the Land Pavilion in Epcot. I love it because of the variety. They have stations with interesting food. Some of it is internationally inspired. It is affordable. The food is high quality. It's mostly healthy. And some is even made with produce that is grown there at the Land Pavilion. Some favorites are the sesame crusted tuna with Asian vegetable noodle salad. My husband loved that. It's $11.99. The oak grilled rotisserie chicken with black beans and rice is $12.29. It's a large portion. You will not go hungry. And a veggie option is the power salad with kale, quinoa, cranberries, almonds, and a honey vinaigrette. I've gotten this minus the chicken that normally comes with it. And I think it was around $9 and it was amazing. Don't forget the bakery at Sunshine Seasons. How did I forget to put that in my notes? But don't forget the bakery, um, the strawberry shortcake dessert. It is crazy good. Confession, I've had it for breakfast. I'm not even ashamed to say that. I have to sneak in two runners up in Epcot though. I'm cheating. Katsura Grill in Japan and La Cantina de San Angel in Mexico are excellent quick service spots as runner ups to my favorite at Epcot, Sunshine Seasons. Okay, number two, Be Our Guest restaurant is at the Magic Kingdom. Now, this one is a little different than other restaurants. For breakfast and lunch, it is a quick service location. However, it's a quick service location for which you must make reservations due to its popularity. In fact, I would say 180 days in advance, you must make reservations. They're hard to get otherwise. I think the food is excellent at both, both breakfast and lunch. It's a little pricey for a breakfast, I think it's around $20. It's a kind of a pre-fee menu. You just pick what you want, but you get it all included. And at lunch, it's by the item. Now, dinner is going to be a signature table service restaurant as of July 27th that will require two table service credits on the dining plan. That is a switch from it was just a one credit table service restaurant up to that point. So what's number one? I would say a lot of people be our guests would be number one, but not me. Flame Tree Barbecue in Animal Kingdom is my favorite quick service restaurant at Disney World in the parks, probably outside of the parks too. <laughs> I am a former vegetarian who is now an avid meat eater. I fell off the wagon, people. I dreamed of ribs for the 10 plus years I was vegetarian. These ribs are my favorite ribs in the world really. So the St. Louis rib dinner comes with a half slab of rib, baked beans, and coleslaw. It's $18.29. It's a ton of food. I believe you get cornbread with it as well, or you used to. 
Um, that's our go-to item on the menu. On the dining plan, it's still only one credit. I believe there is a combo you can get that has chicken, ribs, and pulled pork that's $18.99 that is still only one credit on the quick service dining plan. It's a great deal. You can get fries with pulled pork and plastic cheese, I call it, for $6.79, and you can get that with a snack credit. So it's a great use of snack credit. It would be kind of a light lunch. You can also get a pulled pork sandwich with coleslaw and beans for $10.99. That is excellent and more budget-friendly if you are not on the dining plan. That's it for this week's episode, and I want to say thank you so much for listening to this show. If you like it, consider rating it or reviewing it in iTunes, but even better, recommend it to a friend. You can find me at thebudgetmouse.com or my other site, thefrugalsouth.com. You can find me on Instagram at thebudgetmouse. Or the best thing would be to join our private Facebook group. You just search for The Budget Mouse on Facebook. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. I look forward to the next one and have a magical day.